This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. We're talking New York Mets baseball today, this Thursday, October 19th, with Anthony DeComo, our Mets reporter for MLB.com. Anthony, we thank you for the time, and uh, this is a, a topic for Mets fans, which is well, going to be inherently cringeworthy because of the nature of the injuries which took place uh, all season long within the starting rotation. But our goal today is to look at what this rotation looked like coming out of spring training heading into opening day with all all the promise and all the hope and all the excitement, and then to see the just the wheels come off with this team uh, health-wise and all the guys that got knocked out, the guys that uh, filled their roles, and just how different the starting five at game 162 looked compared to how it looked heading into opening day. So with that, uh, bearing in mind it's it's only about a 12-minute podcast, I will, I will turn the microphone over to you, Mr. DeComo, and have you elaborate on just how many changes this rotation went through in a very uh, tumultuous 2017. Yeah, it was essentially everyone except for Jacob deGrom, who wound up uh, achieving 200 innings for the first time in his career. He was the one guy who was there at the start and who was there at the finish. Everyone else uh, fell off at some point due to injury, uh, in some cases due to injury and ineffectiveness. In some cases, the replacements also got injured and or were ineffective or both. So it, there was never really any continuity to the rotation. I, you know, it, it seems like a while ago that we were going into spring training, looking at this rotation, counting them as among one of the best in the game because you had Matt Harvey, you had Noah Syndergaard, you had Jake DeGrom and Steven Matz and Zach Wheeler coming back from surgery. You thought to be a part of that, but you also had Seth Lugo and Robert Gassell. And so this team went seven deep, really, with, with quality starters. And, and and it just didn't last. It barely lasted a month once they got into it. And in spring training, there were certainly uh, hints that this could happen. Uh, not that anyone could have predicted it to, the, to this extent, but these are by and large guys across the board who have had injury concerns in the past. And there's no greater predictor of future injury than past injuries. So I, I don't think on an individual basis, you know, something happening to Steven Matz or to Zach Wheeler or to Seth Lugo or to a lot of these guys is surprising, but to have them all kind of combined together and essentially have the entire rotation injured for most of the summer uh, that was not only surprising, but crippling for the Mets, and obviously they could never recover. Anthony, this might sound strange, but, you know, considering, you know, everything that happened to this Mets team with the rotation in 2017, was it almost a blessing in disguise that these injuries were bunched together and they all happened kind of at once, as opposed to, well, we, we've got a good club, we can do a lot of great things, but, okay, this guy goes down, then that guy goes down. You know what I mean? It's like instead of the injuries being spaced out to, uh, you know, torpedo a promising season, the whole thing went off the tracks pretty much all at once. So, again, when you look at it from that perspective, was it a blessing in disguise that you kind of say, okay, 
2017's a wash. You know, let's get all these guys back and healthy at the same time and just, you know, wipe the chalkboard fresh for 2018. Well, I don't know if I'd call it a blessing in disguise because if they go down one by one, you have a little more of a fighting chance to recover from this thing. And let's not forget that the Mets you know, had a good team coming into spring training, coming into the season, and perhaps uh, with a little different order of operations, some of these injuries could have made more of a go of it. But you're right in, in the fact that, you know, because this happened and it was Noah Syndergaard out before the end of April and, and Matt Harvey struggling throughout the early season and, and he was out shortly thereafter. And you look up in late May and June as the trade deadline starts to roll around in July and you say, well, not only are we missing still so many of our core guys, our core pitchers, and not only are they not coming back soon, but there's just not a lot that, that we can do without them. Uh, the replacements were not effective. The replacements were hurt themselves. Uh, the Mets were struggling. So, yes, I, I think the depth of all of that combined uh, certainly played into what the Mets ultimately decided to do, and that was to sell off their veteran hitters, to sell off uh, Addison Reed in the bullpen and, and you know get what they could, salvage what they could from this season so that they could go into next season, into 2018, looking at it as, as something that with a healthy rotation they can compete again and not kind of having to go through a full rebuild or any of that stuff. Yeah, they, they I guess the way you could put it was they, they, they kind of give up on 2017 early, and the injuries were not only a big reason why, they were the reason why. And, and uh, had it played out a little differently, maybe that wouldn't have been the case. Yeah, absolutely. I think most Mets fans, uh, if not all Mets fans, would agree with that, that uh, you know this thing just went off the tracks uh, so quickly and so violently that it just got to a point where you say, okay, it's it's not going to happen this year. You, you regroup, you, you know, get back to square one in 2018 and, and see where it takes you. Well, uh, Anthony, I want to shift gears a little bit. Instead of uh, all the gloom and doom with the injuries, let's talk about you know the one guy in that rotation that, uh, as you touched on, did fulfill the, the promise of staying healthy and giving 200 innings and having a career year in that regard with a career-high 15 wins. Obviously, that was uh, Jacob deGrom. And uh, even though the, the ERA was up about a half run compared to his uh, 2016 season, uh, he was healthier than he was in 2016, much more durable. And I got to think that uh, in terms of expectations, I would think that he exceeded his expectations a, a little bit coming off his 2016 season. Would you agree? Yeah. And, you know, he, he had two really bad starts. I believe it was uh, sometime around May or June, around the end of that uh you know, first third of the season, and it was about 15 runs and two starts, which contributed to a lot of that higher ERA. But everything else, uh, Jacob Degrom was was gangbusters. The strikeouts were career high. The innings, as you mentioned, were career high. Um, he looked as good as he has ever has. And I, I think, you know, he, he had set out and put 200 innings as a goal, and I think that was a great goal for Jacob Degrom because uh, there has always been a little bit of doubt about his durability. You look at just the way he's built. Uh, he's that tall, thin, lanky. You wonder about the stress that he puts on his arm. He has a Tommy John surgery in his past, back from when he was a prospect. And even though he's been healthy since he reached the big leagues a few years ago, there have always been these little kind of elbow aches and shoulder aches that have popped up. Maybe a skipped start here. Maybe uh, they hold him back a little bit there and it's never been enough to kind of knock him out put him on the disabled list but it's always been enough to prevent him despite all of his success from going more than that you know 170 180 185 innings well 
he overcame that this year. He put it all together. And at the end of the year, he was talking about how he's never felt better. How his arm has never felt better. And that's what you like to hear from the starting pitcher after that kind of workload, uh, heading into the winter, heading into another season in which he is, you know, while sheer talent, maybe he doesn't quite stack up with Noah Syndergaard because no one on the planet stacks up with Noah Syndergaard in that regard. Uh, Jacob DeGrom is the ace. Jacob DeGrom is the guy that if you have a game that you have to win, if you have a game that you need a pitcher to go deep and, and regardless of whether he has his best stuff or, or whatever, Jacob DeGrom has clearly established himself as that guy, as the most reliable member of this rotation. And uh, I think 2017 was a huge step toward solidifying that for a guy who was already one of the best in the league. No question, and hopefully 2018 holds more in store uh, for Jacob DeGrom. Again, the career highs in innings and wins, and hopefully uh, more of that uh, coming up next season. Uh, Anthony, I will ask you just for a moment to step out of your reporter's shoes and put yourself in the shoes of a, of a Mets, the, the average Mets fan. If you ask the average Mets fan and you just say, what's your take on Matt Harvey? How does that fan respond? Because to me, he's kind of just a, a fascinating topic. So again, you go up to a Mets fan and all you say is Matt Harvey. What's their reaction? Uh, I think, you know, more than anything, there's, you just shake your head and think about what could have been, uh, you know, this guy started the all-star game a few years ago and how far he has fallen. Um, I think there's a lot of ill will, maybe would be the way I would put it, toward Matt Harvey and the fan base right now. But the funny thing about that is all it takes for any of these guys, no matter what's happened in their careers, no matter how far they have fallen, uh, all it takes is for you to put it together for a solid stretch and people will come back and people will have your back. And I think a lot of the people that are saying now, well, the Mets should consider non-tendering Matt Harvey, which they're not going to do. Uh, The Mets should, should just trade him away for nothing, find a way to get rid of him. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's not realistic, first of all. And I think there's still some potential for Matt Harvey to come back. And, and certainly uh, he's probably never going to be even close to what he once was. The, the star is not going to shine that bright again. But if he can give you uh, a little bit of durability, if he can be a league average pitcher for you, uh, it doesn't sound like a lot to ask from a guy who's still throwing 96-97 toward the end of the year. Um, you know, that's useful. That's useful for a team that also employs Jacob DeGrom and Noah Syndergaard and all of these other guys. Uh, you don't need him to be that superstar. You just need him to be a guy who goes out there and is healthy and pitches. And I think Matt Harvey can certainly be that guy. And I think if he is and he comes back and he can win nine or ten games for you next year, uh, a lot of the fan base that maybe is a little sour on Matt Harvey right now, I'm not saying he's going to win them all back, but he, he certainly may, will, may win some of them. Yeah, I agree, and that's a great point, too, that you know, you're know you not asking Matt Harvey to come back and rescue a staff and be its ace because if that were the case, I think that would lead to disaster. You're asking, a, you're asking him to come back and be a mid-rotation guy behind the guys like DeGrom and Syndergaard, and if he can slot into a role like that and, like you said, just provide depth and provide innings and, and effectiveness, then that is the role best suited for him right now. Again, like you said, considering how far he's fallen since uh, starting the All-Star game uh, back in 2013. So, you know, not wise to cut ties with him yet despite the the bitterness of the fan base right now. A guy that could still be useful and hopefully a bounce back is in store for him uh, in 2018. As far as uh, Thor, Noah Syndergaard, very small sample size at the end of the year when he when he did come back, but – I think uh, in just a couple of appearances, we saw, you know, those flashes of what he's been and what he could be in 2018. And I got to think that 
if he is back 100% health-wise, he's going to be up there with the elite starters in all of baseball. Yeah, and, you know, regardless of the fact that he wound up missing the most time of any Mets starter, he uh, essentially missed five months of the season. Uh, his injury was such that you don't really worry about his ability to come back next year. It wasn't an elbow issue. It wasn't a shoulder issue. It was a soft tissue uh, injury. It was a, a strained lat, which is kind of like a severe version of a, you know, a, a, a base runner coming down with a hamstring or a quad pull. Uh, it was a bad injury. It was a painful injury. It was a tough one for him to come back from, but uh, it's not something that he's going to have to rehab from this winter or anything like that. He, he's going to have a normal off season, which was kind of the point of making sure he got back out there for a few innings down the stretch. And uh, there's no reason why he can't kind of come into spring training 2018 the same way he came into spring training 2017, which is with expectations to be a Cy Young candidate. Uh, now, will that work out? I, I think certainly he needs to learn to be a little smarter about the way he goes about things, and I think there are indications that he is doing that, and, and that is maybe not focusing so much on throwing as hard as he possibly can on every pitch and, and maybe not focusing so much on lifting as much as he can every day in the weight room, uh, but learning how to dial it back as the great ones do. And when you need that 101, you, you know, you reach back for it and you, and you grab it. But for most of the game, maybe maybe sitting at 97 miles an hour for Noah Syndergaard is enough and enough to help keep him healthy over the grind of a long season. So, uh, you know, as I said earlier, talent-wise, this guy, I, I really don't think as far as starting pitchers go, I don't think he has a peer in Major League Baseball. Um, he just needs to stay healthy and put it all together now over a full season, and, and 2018 will be his next chance. Yeah, I think to take that uh, next step to elite-level status, it's going to happen between the years. And uh, to pair that with what he has coming out of that electric right arm, then like you said, he could truly have you know no peer in the game if he does reach those heights uh, in 2018. And it's certainly possible where uh, Noah Syndergaard is concerned. Anthony DeComo, great stuff as always. We'll do it again next week. We thank you for the time as always. In the meantime, Matt Waymeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, New York Mets. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.